Hello and good morning. Welcome to Kesed. If you're new, my name is Danny. I'm going to be sharing with you today. I, I actually am one of the pastors here. So for those of you who, who didn't believe me when I introduced myself to you earlier, it's true. It's true. And I'm, uh, I'm so glad to, to be here, to be teaching with you and uh, learning, I hope, uh, some stuff about the Holy Spirit, perhaps in a way that, that we've, we've never really considered or, uh, or thought about before. Uh, we're in a series right now called Stir, and we built this tree just for this series. We did not buy it anywhere. We, we built it with uh, some artists in our church. And uh, the idea of the tree is this idea that, that God often calls us like he called Jesus to the wild place, to the wilderness, a place where he wants to uh, unpack for us the things that keep us out of relationship with him. And so it can be so hard sometimes in our, in our suburban lives, our suburban spirituality to, to get to those natural places, those places where, where hunger is just around the corner or thirst is just over the bend and, and really engage with him in a way that, that breaks apart our excuses for not having intimacy or connection with him. Uh, last week, we talked about what it meant to, to be honest with him about what we brought with us to the wild place because nobody goes to an encounter with the Holy Spirit without bringing all their stuff. Um, all their, their habits, their addictions, their, uh, their, their self-grandizing thoughts, their uh, self-loathing thoughts, and so forth. And that our job is to be honest with him about how we are holding on to those so that he can teach us how to let go of them. With those two as uh, kind of our foundation, today I have a very simple hope Today, what I want to do is try and create a space for the Holy Spirit to introduce himself to you. Now, I want to be very honest that uh, he doesn't need me to do this. He is quite, quite uh, able to introduce himself when and how he wants. But this week, uh, it has been pressed upon me, not so much to build a message that he can work within, but instead to extend an invitation on behalf of him to the fellow travelers of this world, no matter where they find themselves along the spiritual journey. And so basically, here's, here's what I'm proposing, and here's what I think is going to happen based on the last two service experiences that we've had. Um, we're going to wreck the box that you have built and that I have built that the Holy Spirit, uh, you think the Holy Spirit exists within. Uh, now, that, that means that we're going to wreck the box, I hope, of those who are just spiritually curious, and you don't know if there even is a Holy Spirit. My hope is that by the end of this message, you have a name for the feeling that brought you here today. Uh, we're also going to wreck the box for those of us who've been traveling with the Spirit a really long time, and we're like, well, this is how he works. This is what he does. This is how he operates. Because I think some of what we're going to see in Scripture, which is our authority that we're going to do this through, uh, is that the Holy Spirit really never operates uh, how we want him to, how we think he does, or how we expect him to. That, that oftentimes he likes to look at the box, look at where the box is, and then just step out of it. Which can be really annoying and bothersome if you've been following him for years and years and years because I want to be comfortable with my faith. I'm just going to be honest. Like my goal is to get to a sort of this, 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 this level place where I have balance and harmony in all things. And that includes my understanding of God. Uh, I think I have a pretty good understanding of Jesus. I think I have a pretty good understanding of God the Father. And until this series, I thought I had a pretty good understanding of the Holy Spirit. But I've come to realize that like the Holy Spirit's whole thing is that he's the one who's always like, but, but did you know? But have you ever thought? But what if I don't want to? 
But what if I've asked you to? But what if we're not supposed to? But what if we are supposed to? Like he just constantly tugs and pulls and it can feel a little bit like he's, he's avoiding something when in reality, I think what he's doing is just pushing us to a place that we don't wanna go. And so this service, uh, we're gonna go there. Now your job is to do the best you can to maintain the box. Uh, I'm not asking you to believe everything I say. Everything that, that I'm speaking on today is on the note. You can go pick it apart. You can start like an anti-Danny sermon Bible study if you want. I'm good with that. I am comfortable with confrontation. So, so do that. Bring it all. And let's just see what he does with a, your box. Because I know um, he has most certainly destroyed mine. And so I don't even have a, a box anymore to fight from. I'm just sort of... I'm just like standing in a muddy circle now. I just, <laughs> I don't even know how I got here, but I'm, but I'm excited about it and I feel really encouraged by it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's start uh, with uh, the beginning. So Genesis 1 is our introduction to the Spirit. This is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the of the waters. So here is our introduction to the Spirit who moved upon the face of the waters and created. The Holy Spirit, at its very foundation, is the Creator. Anytime throughout Scripture you hear of a creation or reference to the creation, that part of the, the Godhead, that part of who the Lord is, is the function of the Holy Spirit. Paul J. Pastor, if you want to dive deep into this, wrote a book on the Spirit. This is what he said about this part. Once above the unformed black abyss, the Spirit of God hovered. And there above the unknowable waves, he whispered eternal love to the Father, to the Son, to the face of the deep. He whispered eternal love to you, to me, to all of the very good. It is the Spirit of God who hovered over the darkness and after that then breathed life into the man laying in the dirt. In the same way, when we call upon the name of Jesus in the New Testament, claiming his power poured out upon the cross for our renewal, it is the Holy Spirit who creates within us our reborn life in God the Father. The same spirit that created man and earth and woman and all things living is the same exact spirit that we are born again through. Jesus refers to this in John 3 when he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is him referencing this truth that we have reconciliation to the Father by way of the Son through the Spirit. Just as all three were present in creation, all three are present in our salvation. This is because the Spirit, through that process, is introducing himself as a full and vibrant person, as holy God, as the Father and the Son. He is as a part of that trinity, that three-in-one uh, identity of God as the other two. Although we often have a hard time really identifying him as a person, he's, he's fairly mysterious in how he moves. He oftentimes feels like he's on the spiritual periphery. And that when you look, he just kind of shifts further and further away or close, just depending on what it is that you need at the time. And yet, that's exactly how Scripture describes him, as a person. Here's some verses for you to look up later. The Holy Spirit has intelligence, 1 Corinthians. He has feelings, Ephesians. He has will, 1 Corinthians and Acts. He prays. He does miracles. He can be lied to. 
He can be insulted. He teaches and directs. He is a part of our faith in a way that many of us have never fully realized or engaged. And this is because of of somewhat how people have used uh, words to describe him. Because they are often vague words and, and impersonal words such as wind or breath or fire or dove. Like you knew somebody somewhere when they were writing this stuff was like, you know, the Holy Spirit is like, he's kind of dovey. He's kind of windy. Like how do you have a personal relationship with that? It, it makes sense that we're like, well, if I'm going to connect to the three, I'm going to connect to the more tangible ones. A lot of people connect to the father, unless you had a rough dad growing up. And then there's all sorts of beautiful healing. Just total side note, have you ever realized that uh, father wounds are the most common wound when it comes to the nucleus family, hands down? And, and I've heard a lot of Christian psychologists say it makes a ton of sense that the wound God would want to heal uh, would be the most common wound, which is why he refers to himself as a father. Because he's like, that one's going to hurt. Not everybody, not all of the same way, but a lot of people. So I'm going to step right into that space. And there's all kinds of, of connection when you finally realize that the father isn't the, in heaven isn't the abusive father that some of us grew up with. If you went through a lot of suffering, like I did, uh, I was a childhood cancer survivor and had a lot of pain growing up, had a lot of sitting inside uh, watching other kids play and feeling on the outside. And so for me personally, Jesus is always like, he's been my guy. And, and I just remember connecting early on with, with the hurting and the loneliness and some of the stuff that comes with uh, losing people, fellow kids in the, in the ward at an early age. And uh, so Jesus has always just been really who I pray to and who I talk with and who I walk with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, except if you were to look at my faith and a lot of faith of a lot of people, it's usually God or Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit's just like the soup they live within. <laughs> There's another word we could use to describe. I don't know why the apostles didn't pick that one. He's kind of soupy. <laughs> but but it's, it's not fully true. It's not, it's not a fair context because the Holy Spirit is more than that. That said, whether you recognize it or not, and if, I hope this is the one thing if you pull out of this sermon and nothing else, if you recognize it or not, every single encounter you've had with God, everyone is the Holy Spirit. Every time you feel a prompting, every time you feel warmth, every time you feel a conviction, every single time that you're like, mm, I think I'm supposed to go to church today, or mm, I think I'm supposed to stay home and, and invest in my family, or mm, I think I'm supposed to go on this mission trip, or mm, I think I shouldn't dive into this thing that, that, isn't, that isn't very integrous. All of those things, all of those are bestowed upon us by the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's a big reason why. The Bible teaches us that sin breaks everything it touches. And this is because sin fractures relationship resulting in separation. That's its job. It finds out a, a small area between you and me and it kind of it kind of lays there in that in that in that area and then it begins to go deeper and and begins to widen and begins to grow and its entire goal is to build a chasm of brokenness between us so that relationship can't exist as it should. And so, we end up living in a world created in a way that it was never meant to, a world out of tune with the God 
who built it. Until eventually we as human beings find ourselves in the place we do now, existing in a constant state of dysregulation within the universe of God's intentions. Meaning that if left untouched or unfaced or unconfessed, over time all of our relationships with each other and with God will eventually begin to disintegrate. The main goal of the Holy Spirit is to reverse that way of existing. Where there is separation, where there is death, the Holy Spirit comes upon and brings, breathes togetherness and breathes life. This is just the picture that he wants us to understand about him when he reveals himself as part of the Trinity. The Christian doctrine, I'll put this on the screen of the Trinity, is the central doctrine concerning the nature of God, which defines one God existing in three co-equal, co-eternal, co-substantial divine persons. And there's a really, really, really important context for why we need to understand it at least the, to the best level that we can. There's a verse that describes who God is. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved is us, by the way. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8, listen close. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, whether you realize it or not, I like this quote, God is love because God is Trinity. And this is, this is a really important thing to understand when it comes to being spiritually curious, because Kesed is all about people bringing their stuff, bringing their, you know, their, their atheism, their agnosticism, their spiritualism, like, like we're into it, like bring it, let's ask about it, let's talk about it, let's live in the tension, and let's see what I believe the God who lives wants to do with it. And one of the things that we need to understand about the beauty of the Trinity and the fact that it says God is love is it separates God from every other belief system that has ever existed. For in every other belief system, this is complex. This is like, I, we don't understand it, like three in one. Like, like I, no, let's just separate them, make them three separate gods. No, let's just, let's just make them uh, three gods like, like the Greeks did that warred with each other. And then we can appease them. Therefore, I can prefer my way into love. This is every belief system has a creator who created the creation and then if they perform well enough, love them. But in the Christian belief system, love exists before creation existed between the father and the son and the Holy Spirit. And so like a healthy family, right? You have parents that out of love, a child is created. Christianity is the only belief system that love exists first. That's why God is love. And that's the Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is the method by which the Trinitarian God shares himself and invites us into loving relationship. Because if God is love, then before he created anything to love, he had to exist in relationship because this is the only place that love can exist. This speaks 
this calling into love that the Holy Spirit puts out into the world speaks to the goal of the Christian faith, which is to be one with God. A lot of times we preach that the goal of the Christian faith is like is to be justified or is to be right with God. But we're not just right with God in order to be standalone. We are right with God or saved from our sins for something. And that is to be one with him again, to be reintegrated into relationship with God, to be brought back into harmony or resonance with him and all creation. If sin separates everything, the Holy Spirit brings everything together. This is who he is. This, he just can't help himself. He's just constantly taking lives that are torn apart and weaving them back together. By the way, without anybody needing to lose their individuality, because if you look at the picture of the Trinity, I think I have one right here. There's a picture of how this works. All of these are one and totally separate. Just like God wants to weave in my past and my present and my future, God is weaving in my story. He's not like, well, Danny, we're gonna get rid of that and we're gonna get rid of that and you're no longer gonna wrestle with this and you're not gonna wrestle with that. Nope, God is like, actually, we're gonna pull all this in. We're gonna, we're gonna reorient it. We're gonna refocus it. We're gonna reintegrate it until all of a sudden there becomes a resonance in my life that includes the things in my story. You wanna know somebody that's truly born again? They talk about their old life and who they were before Jesus took them and brought them into this new place. When we just cut off our old lives, do you know how hard it is to talk to other people about Jesus who are still in their old lives? You've lost the language. You gotta hold on to the language. It doesn't mean you honor it. It doesn't mean you try to make it less. And it definitely doesn't mean, by the way, you try to make it more. It just means you don't forget the language. You know what it's like to be lost. You're not so found that you forgot what it's like to be lost. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He weaves it all together. And every single time it's unique and custom to the person that he's doing it with. Every time he's like, oh, this is a habit. I'll weave this into this beautiful gift. Someone else has the same habit, but they got a different gift or a different gift, but they got the same habit. Or actually it's neither of the both or both of the same. I'm gonna listen to that back on the video and see if that made any sense, but... (laughs) But I think you understand what I'm getting at. This this beautiful thing is how the Holy Spirit creates harmony in our worlds and in our universe. You've probably heard the uh, really well-known A.W. Tozer quote about the tuning fork. If you haven't, I'll read it for you real quick. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. The Holy Spirit is that one standard. And when we as his people, especially those of us who are born again followers of Jesus, when we begin to tune our lives to him, naturally we begin to join in unity with the other believers like those pianos who are tuning their lives to him all from different directions, all from different stories, all from different paths, but all serving and moving towards the healing that the Holy Spirit provides. This is what Paul is referring to in Ephesians when he says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your one call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And there is only one way that the Holy Spirit 
tunes us into this redemptive, beautiful, resonating place. And that's through the person and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He is the great cosmic healer and bringer of oneness. This is why ultimately the Holy Spirit is a guide. He is guiding everyone towards this Christ-centered oneness. And he does it without taking much credit at all for himself. This is because the Holy Spirit is a reticent spirit. He works to curve attention away from himself to Jesus and the Father, constantly redirecting the glory back to them. This is a an important thing for us as a church to understand because when I started this Holy Spirit series, I know what a lot of you were thinking because you told me. <laughs> and that was, whoa, I feel like there might be some charismania starting to show up in our church. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think that at all because I grew up in a charismatic church and I can tell you one of the things that was pretty clear about when things kind of started to go off the rails is when somebody would claim the Holy Spirit wanted everybody to watch them. It's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit's not like suddenly, uh, I'm not saying everybody doesn't wanna watch you when you're supposed to do a really hard thing and go first, or you're supposed to stand in the gap and suffer, or you're supposed to like, like hold back the, the floodwaters. Those things, yeah, the Holy Spirit's like, watch this guy, he's gonna hurt a lot and he's gonna do it for the kingdom. But when the Holy Spirit's suddenly like, I have gifts and anointing that only I have. And so I shall speak my soothing words over you and you shall all applaud me to which I'll pull into my soul while telling you, well, it's just God. No, mm -mm. I want the Holy Spirit to work through me. And the way that I want him to work through me is in such a way that once you get to know my life, and I mean this respectfully and appropriately. Once you get to know me, you hear my story, you know who I am, you really get beneath the, the Sunday morning sermon. You're like, how in the world is God using this guy? <laughs> like he is as average as they come. And I love it. And I hope he keeps using it. And I hope I keep staying average because at the end of my life, I wanna pour it all out. And we're gonna give this entire operation away to the next generation. The next senior pastor is probably sitting in children's right now. You know she is. She's up there probably, making everybody obey as she gives a little tiny sermon. You just don't know. You just don't know. But we're gonna give the whole thing away. And you know what I hope happens? I hope I'm completely forgotten about. Do you know that I can't name you a single pastor that planted this church, this organization in 1888, which happened before Washington was a state. When we signed the merger papers I've shared before for this building, it said Oregon Territory on the documents. Do you know how many people mortgaged their homes for this land? Do you know how many people prayed for future generations? Do you know how many people gave and sacrificed and you don't know them? And they are just fine with that. This is the goal, to move the kingdom forward. To, through the Spirit's working, this is how you know the Spirit's working, to move the kingdom forward and give the glory to Jesus, who is the one who deserves it all through God the Father. Jesus himself said this, in case you're looking for context and scripture to back it up. This is what he himself said about the Spirit that was coming in John 16. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, there's the guide reference, into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine 
and declare it to you. The two main concerns of the Holy Spirit so are to guide us to Christ and to guide the formation of Christ in us. That's why God gave the Holy Spirit to dwell with us and in us forever. A guide that's once fully embraced and experienced will change your life in such a way that you would trade everything else to not lose the relationship you have with him. We shared last week about uh, King Saul and King David and how King Saul was anointed and how the spirit of God moved upon him and how the prophet Samuel poured oil over him and how Saul saw himself as a treasure of the people and so began to act like a treasure of the people. And he became this man uh, obsessed with his own power and his own agenda and his own standing and his own legacy and making sure that everything about him was in order to bring praise to him. And then eventually the prophet comes and he says, Saul, the Lord is not happy with this life that you've built. This is for people in the room right now. This isn't for me. The Lord is not happy with the life you've built. And it's not that you have not built it well. It's just that it's been built to bring glory to you. And glory consumed is toxic to us as humans. We can't maintain our marriages. We can't maintain our businesses. All we're doing is checking out social media to make sure our glory curve doesn't, you know, dip down. And then we have to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And there's no humility in it. And it just ends up like every other uh, terrible tycoon who was consumed by himself. When Samuel comes to uh, Saul, sure enough, the first thing he says is, Okay, okay, God's not happy. Okay, God's gonna take the kingdom. But can you at least come before the elders and show me honor? The first thing he says is, Samuel, Samuel, people are watching and you are embarrassing me. He's like, like just, just don't take the kingdom. Just don't take the reputation. Like, can you, can you rebuke me in private, please? Because I am kind of a big deal. On the other hand, we've got David. And uh, it says that David was a ruddy man with beautiful eyes who was, you know, probably about 5'8 or so. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know, but that also means we don't know, right? <sighs> and I don't know if you realize this, but David, his track record was in some ways worse than Saul's. Like we never hear of Saul uh, 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 having an affair. We never hear of Saul murdering anybody. We never hear of, of, of Saul really doing any of the great sins that David did. But when Nathan the prophet walks into David's court and says, David, the Lord is unhappy with this life that you've built. David's response is radically different. Radically, radically different. Psalm 51, verse 10 and 11, listen to the posture this man takes. In response, by the way, this psalm is direct response to the sin with Bathsheba. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Can you imagine having a relationship so intimate with the Holy Spirit, so relied upon that you would give up everything else to keep it? Everything else. Take the kingdom, take the legacy, take the stuff. God, whatever you do, just don't take the presence of your Holy Spirit in my life. Whatever you do. Stay with me, stay near to me. You are bigger than my sin. You are, you are more than the things that, that I have done. God, you can cleanse me, you can make me new. Everything else can go as long as I can stay in relationship with you. This is why in the New Testament we hear that David was a man after God's own heart because David knew 
what God's heart was after, which was relationship, which was love, which was knownness. I don't know your story. I don't know your mistakes. I don't know all your uh, Davidic sins. And I got a bunch myself. What I do know is the Holy Spirit knows and he is more than happy to move into your world like he's moving into mine. But in order for that to happen, he's got to tear apart that box that you've built that says the Holy Spirit only exists inside certain people in certain ways who perform in a certain uh, situation. He's like, no, the only situation I'm looking to perform in is the one where you say, I don't know what to do next, God. You can have it all. Just don't leave. Just don't leave. There's a, a, another man, an old man who's followed God a really long time. And uh, he built a really powerful ministry. It was amazing. He performed miracles. He spoke on God's behalf. And uh, he, he understood well, he thought, how the spirit moved. He built a, a really big box with really thick borders. And everybody respected the box of this man's Holy Spirit house. And then it says, like happens to all of us, a power in the world rose up against him, a power that said, your ministry is nothing, your people are nothing, your gifts are nothing, you're nothing, and I'm gonna come and end you. And this man, in a moment of just being a human, became afraid. And so he ran off into the desert. So far into the desert, it says that he wanted to kill himself. He became suicidal. And it says, when he was just towards the end thinking, this is it, I failed, this is how my life is over, based on my understanding of the Holy Spirit, it says the Spirit of the Lord showed up. And it woke him up and it said, rise and eat. And the man ate and the man drank. And then he collapsed back down, like, isn't God good to give me one last meal before I die in utter failure? And then it says the angel of the Lord showed up again and it said, rise and eat. And he did, and this time he stayed sitting up. And the Lord said, head that direction. And so the man headed that direction. And along the way, he found a mountain. And on that mountain, he knew of a cave. And so he went into that cave and fell asleep. This man had great needs, but his needs didn't fit inside his spiritual box. He couldn't find the peace and the love that the Spirit was offering because his understanding of the Spirit was limited even through his great success. And so he figured he would exist in this place until he died right there on the spot. This particular evening, he woke up very sore. He had spent over a month traveling to that cave. He wasn't even sure. And then he suddenly remembered, oh yeah, there was another better man of God who did some other better work of God on this cave. I think his name was Moses. But he sat there thinking of his failures and his weakness. And then it says, behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so he pulled himself up into a sitting position. He looked out the mouth of the cave at the sun that was setting and pondered what was to come and how he could respond. And I believe this is just my take that with his hands crossed and his head bowed, looking down at the dirt and his filth, he quietly uttered the best excuse he could come up with. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. 
For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And even I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it. He said, I am alone, and I am afraid, and we both know God. I am all done. After a little while, God responds. He says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. The old man watched in amazement from deep within the cave as each manifestation of God's power passed by. Each one reminding him of God's might. Each one breaking down another wall of the box. Each one, by the way, a miracle in earlier texts of scripture that he would have known to remind him, oh, that's who God is. They must have thought then he was fire, but then he showed up as wind, but then he showed up as a quake. All these different things constantly revealing to the people of the time, the box they thought God fit in, he doesn't. And here's this man getting all three. He starts to realize, "Uh uh-oh, this God isn't tameable or controllable. Maybe that means he's knowable. And then there was silence. And after the silence, something brand new this old man had never heard of or heard of anyone hearing of before. There was the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Because of the Lord's gentleness, Elijah was drawn out of his box to the entrance of the cave. And this time he could be more authentic with a God who is and isn't in everything. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. The God of hosts. The one who brought me forth. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it. He says, I am alone and I am afraid, but I am beginning to realize that doesn't mean a lot to you, does it? God of fire, smoke, and wind. And so the Holy Spirit responds to Elijah who has a glimmer of his presence back in his eyes and says, Elijah, you're not alone, bro. He says, I have saved 7,000 prophets secretly ready to do the work and it's time for you to go back and lead them. And Elijah is restored and renewed and re-relationshiped. He is all kinds of filled with God's presence, not because God done some sort of magic because God pointed out to the fact that I'm not going to fit in your box and the fact I don't fit in your box is nothing but a blessing to you because I am love and you can never understand the amount of love that I want to pour out to you no matter your situation, no matter your season of life, no matter what it is you're walking through. So I'm just going to ask you a simple question. This is just you and me and whoever's watching online, I guess. Listen, what are you doing here right now? Why are you here today? We both know, the Holy Spirit in you, that the stuff you've tried in the past is not working. You have ran out a road. 
And the only thing you can do now is lie to yourself and everybody around you that this life that you're building is the one you actually intended to. The Holy Spirit is offering something radically different. See, there's people in this room. This is what I believe. There are people in this room right now authentically meeting the Holy Spirit for the very first time. Very first time. That feeling that you have right now, that's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who created you, who put those flecks of color in your eyes and those freckles on your nose and that one weird birthmark that only you and he know about. And he is so very proud of you. The guy with the birthmark is tripping out right now. You know that, right? He's like, oh man, I don't, God is real. It's just... <laughs> It's a beautiful thing to be blown away by a big God who is not worried or concerned with the excuses that I can make for not following him well. For others of you, you've been traveling with the Holy Spirit for a really long time. So much so that you actually have the best spirit boxes in the room. Everything's predictable, everything's manageable. You are the expert that people go to when they have questions about God and secretly you have a lot of pride about that. You like to talk about all the great things that you've done in the name of the Lord. And I'm just here to tell you it's time for you to talk about all the things that are weak in your story and yet God's strength has pushed through and allowed you to prevail anyways. The spirit of God has been a great fire in your life but he wants to remind you that there's more that you are not the expert you think you are, and why would you want to be? But like a child learning to walk for the first time, there is still running and bike riding and swimming and all kinds of other amazing things to do with these spiritual legs God has given you. But some of you, you're just spiritually toddling around telling everybody, look how well I tie my tiny shoes. <laughs> I mean that as respectfully as possible, whoever that was. But it's true. There's others. Today is the day you can finally stop running because the ground beneath you is spiritually quaking and you know it. I'm supposed to, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that today is the day for you to finally allow yourself to be caught because this God is not gonna stop relentlessly pursuing you, but it would be so much better for you if you would just fall to the ground where you are. You don't have to do any more seeking of him, searching of him. He will rush upon you. All you gotta do is create a space like this one right here. This is a cave right here for all these people that are experiencing this. Just be in the muck and the mire and let the Spirit ask you, what are you doing here? And bring all your excuses courageously. For he will reveal to you the 7,000 promises that you have never even considered were saved. But you're gonna have to stop running. For others, more than I wish was true, today the Spirit is gonna move from your mind to your heart. For God is tired of having only an intellectual relationship with you. He no longer wants to exist only in the logic of your ponderings as, and as a good and prudent investment. But instead, 
He is choosing to fill your body with the warmth of his presence and the movement of his embrace. And lastly, and this is for anybody else who has not felt up till this moment that I have, that I have called them, that the spirit has called to them. Lastly, some of you are going to just get swept away. And all by the very smallest of whispers, finally cleansing your past insecurities and shame, forever leaving you breathless and whole. See, this is what it feels like to sit in the cave of God's presence. So here's what I wanna do. I, I wanna just, we haven't done this the other services, so we'll, we'll just, this is just a response to what's happening in the room. I'm just gonna have Chandra sing over us for a minute or so. I'm gonna ask that we just sit reflecting upon whatever it is the Holy Spirit is prompting right now. We'll see what he wants to do with it. Let it rain. 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 Let it r
Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment, for this time, for this space that you've ministered to us within. We just, uh, we just respond, Lord, each individually how we are supposed to. We thank you we want to go with you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Uh, as you know, we now have communion in the corner for anybody who's just really feeling led to take it. Thank you so much for sitting in this space uh, together with the Holy Spirit. And I hope you get some time this week to just engage him. God bless. We'll see you next week.